Welcome back to Sons of Flip Radio, a podcast about the art and sport of professional wrestling. I'm your host, Thomas Lisi. And if you didn't catch the breaking news on our Facebook page yesterday, I'd like to announce that Alex Drayton is now our permanent co-host. Alex, welcome back to the show. Hey guys, what's going on? Tom, you can just call me Dre. That's better. All right, Dre. Sorry, Dre. Uh, Like Dre, like Andre, the giant, but Alex Drayton, a.k.a. the Drayton. So, with Alex coming on board now, it's going to be both of us fueling your mind of wrestling knowledge and just two general wrestling nerds talking about the passion of wrestling and what we love so much. Even though our jobs outside of this has nothing to do with wrestling, we are constant talk always about wrestling. So this is a giant step in the right direction for this podcast in the future. And today is May 10th. Happy Mother's Day out there for any Happy moms. Happy Mother's Day, y'all. Happy Mother's Day. Yeah, moms. any moms listening out there. But we're also on the heels of another WWE pay-per-view that has been limited due to the coronavirus. So tonight we're talking about Money in the Bank. Now, this Money in the Bank is different because... Uh, through the spoilers out on Facebook and through the spoilers on the World Wide Web, uh, it was released that WWE actually already filmed the men's and women's Money in the Bank matches. And for the first time, it will be together, men and women wrestling, climbing the corporate ladder. At the, at the same time. At the same time, at the uh, corporate headquarters in Stanford, Connecticut. What do you think of this? What do you... It's if it's done right and if it's done how they did the Undertaker match, very cinematic, um, with everything leading to the ring that uh, we've seen pictures up on top of the roof, I think it can be pretty dope. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that they end the pay per view with that. They have to. Um, you can't start it. You can't put it in the middle. If two matches for the men's and women are running simultaneously, and that's how you have it planned out. That's what you got to do. It's got to end the show. It is Money in the Bank, the namesake of the pay-per-view. So both winners standing tall or falling or however, somebody's going to be holding up that briefcase. Um, that's how it's got to go off air. Part of me thinks that McMahon's going to blow and put it in the beginning, though. I hope... So, so personally, I hope that they show you the corporate offices. Um, they play into that. I don't know if you remember the old uh, WWF commercials, the Attitude Era commercials, where they look like they were oh, yeah. wrestling. I hope they kind of touch on that and they call back to that a little bit. And I really hope that somebody breaks down or gets thrown into Vince's office. Vince is sitting behind the desk, and you know, Vince, you know, he heals off a little bit. This is such good shit. Yeah, they turn around. <laughs> They realize, oh, all right, hey, boss, and they slowly, like, walk out, like, very uh, comically, mm-hmm. and then they carry on the fight out. That would be great. I think that would be awesome. Part of me thinks, because we work in food service, too, I would like to see a fight in the kitchen. Well, yeah, that or a hospital again. <laughs> Somebody's getting hit with a bedpan, you know? Yeah. I, now, I saw on SmackDown, they did, like, a little tour of the headquarters and they had you know different rooms there was like a pinball machine in one room so just because i you saw that i kind of feel like that's where they're going to be filming the match and a lot of it and i know that uh becky lynch was talking about how 74 year old vince mcmahon uh was talking about taking a bump 
some a big there's gonna be a big bump tonight so i don't know if it's gonna be off the building and if they do that it's gonna be obviously very cinematic very staged but the wrestlers that are going into the match tonight there's more in my opinion on the men's side of the uh underdog than on the women's in my opinion Uh, if you if you look at the women's on raw you have Nia Jax, Asuka, Shayna Baszler. Those are the three top... Very predictable for the women's, especially on the Raw side. And I can see all three of the Raw women uh, holding that Mm -hmm. that, uh, briefcase. Um, Because that's how I'm sure they put it together. Yeah. Who do we see for the next however many days, months, uh, hours, like we've seen in the past, like last year with Bayley... Um, Another event that we were at. Right, last yeah. year. I know. It's, it's almost literally we were, a year. Yeah. I think it was we, the 15th last year. Yeah, we actually, me and Alex drove up to Hartford at the XL Center. It was a, it was a nice arena. It was good size. You had really good seats. Very small, so you felt a lot closer than you really were. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, Money in the Bank was good last year. Obviously, we didn't know that Brock Lesnar was coming out. But. Yeah, which is awesome. So, getting back to my point, uh, I can see the one of the women winning, but... I'm sure you you got to picture the person holding the briefcase yeah. to see where it's going. You know, like Shayna Baszler, that's like the odds-on favorite, you know, right kind there. Kind of predictable. Kind of predictable. How Personally, I, I'd rather see Asuka with it. Yeah, me she's too. Doing, she's on TV. I, I, if I'm right, I think she's been on TV every week to either open the show or right in the middle um, since, the, since they started doing... Um, uh, shows with no crowd. Yeah. She's opened the show. I think she opened uh, WrestleMania one of the damn nights. Um, and she's just been the so first, funny to uh, watch. First night, yeah. yeah. And but good, you know, and, and she's a badass. Yeah, I, I agree with you because Shayna Baszler, she jumped from NXT to WWE Raw very quickly. Yeah. To the point where she didn't need a briefcase. She bit Becky Lynch's neck. Right. And then she gets a match at WrestleMania at the, going through the whole division elimination chamber. I mean, if that's what I got to do to get a championship, yeah. I'm going to go around <laughs> biting my boss for a raise. Absolutely. I see... I'm in the same boat. I see Asuka. Now, if you look on the SmackDown side, you have Lacey Evans, you have Dana Brooke, and you have Carmella. The only person that I see out of those three women possibly winning is Lacey Evans. Yes, and she would look awesome with the briefcase also. Mm-hmm. But it, the briefcase idea itself is more of a heel. Uh, it's a heel prop, mm-hmm. basically. You know, because you get to screw anybody over uh, instantaneously by cashing that thing in and taking what you want. Um, you know, last year we seen Bailey. As a face, do it. Uh, I believe she beat Charlotte. Yeah, and uh, like an hour later. Yeah, an hour later, and um, you know she she transitioned now into a heel that she is, um, but from that because she won the championship back then, mm-hmm. you know it, it was a welcome change for her, as I'm sure everybody else agrees. Oh yeah. Part of me, uh, I wish I kind of wish that Mandy Rose was in it because I like to see how her and Otis would interact with each other. Yeah, being together in the same match, yeah. she lost to. Carmella, and you expected the fact that Sonya Deville kind of screwed her over in the match. You kind of expected this big, yeah, you know, uh, she this, screwed her over last year in a way, yeah, right, yeah. And this year she screws her over again. You expect this big grudge match to open up SmackDown, and she won with a with a little roll up. 
Well, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, if she let's say she did win hypothetically, which is not going to happen, that would have been they strapped the rocket to her. Oh yeah. And it would would have been cool is if Otis went and grabbed it, sort of like uh, James Ellsworth did. Yeah. For Carmella. Mm-hmm. Although we know how pissed off everybody was. <clears throat> yeah, that was uh, that was a little out there, but the fact that Carmella actually won the the match twice. Uh, the inaugural one. That's that's pretty special. So, we both agree that Asuka should win the match. Should should word there should should. But typical McMahon. Uh, you know, it was like the same thing when Zack Ryder won the Intercontinental Title at WrestleMania 32. Yeah. That match was loaded with Kevin Owens, and you had Stardust and Zack Ryder, and you didn't you didn't expect Zack Ryder to win that match. Sami Zayn was in that match also. So it's a feel good, more of a feel-good moment. It's a feel-good story, you know? yeah. But now, transitioning to the men's match, the, before Apollo Crews got hurt, it looked, it looked good. But the fact that he's out, and now AJ Styles is in, so we have Styles, we have Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio, we have Otis, King Corbin, and Daniel Bryan. Right. It's, it's a good mix of it is, talent. You got a little bit of everything. And then you also got to look at who can work a ladder. You yeah. know, like you got Rey Mysterio there. Who can do that? Like to see Daniel Bryan in, it gives me a little bit of agita because I'm over. You, nobody can see this, but I'm grabbing the back of my <laughs> neck as we're talking about this. Yeah. Knowing that he's had uh, neck issues. Um, but I, I, I think. For that match, it's either AJ Styles or Aleister Black. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I prefer to see uh, Aleister Black mm-hmm. um, because it would look really cool, but I just can't see him holding a no. briefcase, Same given way. his dark persona and how all that goes. AJ Styles could could possibly um, get that, but then we also forget that this is for a year, so I don't think anybody's going to hold it for a whole year. No. Um, because, you know, they don't like to do things for that long anymore because the attention span of people is so short, so they like to make quick changes. Especially with everything going on in the world right now. I think they want more of a... Of course, of course. You know, breaking news, variety right. aspect for the fans to be more intrigued. And another thing, now that I'm on a podcast, I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts. Tom, I'm sure you do too. Yep. I've always, in my mind, thought, okay, what what the placement of the matches have to do with the end result. So this one being money in the bank, whoever wins that briefcase, men or woman, um, is that going to factor into the rest of the pay-per-view? Um, yeah. We've seen that last year, like we had talked about with uh, with um, Charlotte and Bailey, mm-hmm. um, and how that played out. So we know that that was important because that match happened earlier in the night, the championship match happened a little bit later, or right after, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so I'm curious to see if the, if you close the show with the Money in the Bank winner, obviously we know what the outcomes of the previous matches are. Yes. But I think the best part of the briefcase is the fact that you get to hold that over that champion's head or whoever the champion will be at that time. Just as a little reminder that, hey, I'm waiting in the wings. I'm waiting in the back. So when you're getting your ass beat, look over your other shoulder because I'm going to be there too. Now, my heart would love to see Otis win, but the Otis program right now is completely driven by Vince McMahon, and he has kind of all the say in his creative. And he put Otis in this match because I feel that the fans want to see Otis 
win the match. That's the heartfelt pick for all the wrestling fans out there. Even though traditional wrestling fans and some hardcore fans out there know that it's going to be either AJ Styles or Aleister Black. If I'm leaning towards one, I'm leaning towards Styles because he lost the graveyard match to Undertaker. So, in my opinion, I think the WWE is going to repay him and give him the the briefcase because well, the Undertaker. They, <clears throat> they also rushed him back on television because of low ratings. Yes, um, that that needs to be said also, because mm-hmm. um, I don't think he was scheduled to do anything till probably after this pay per view to sell the the results of the graveyard match. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm. Uh... If, if I'm gambling, if I'm putting my money on the line, I'm going with Asuka and I'm going with AJ Styles. But you never know. So that's those two matches, technically the two matches, is mostly what everyone's looking forward to. And there are some other Fred matches. Nia Jax is also in that. Yeah. Well. I just don't see her on a ladder, though. Yeah. I, with I two blown-out knees? Yeah, yeah no, she is not really that safe either. That's why I thought that somebody was going to come in, like, uh, let's say this past Monday on Raw, take her out, mm-hmm. change some, you know, to switch it up, yeah. get somebody else in there. But you know that. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, Nia Jax is single handedly responsible for the man becoming the man when she broke her nose. One hundred percent, and they yeah. need to run that back. Actually, that's why I think that she should win it because you know this is a classic. I made you, and they've mm-hmm. touched on this briefly uh, in past Raws and on social media, like. It's a classic story. I made you, and I can unmake you. You know, mm-hmm. like when your mom says, I brought you into this world, and I can take oh, you yeah. out? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, other matches on the card, I mean, some of them are going to be pretty predictable. I don't see Bailey, Bailey losing the title to Tamina. That's just a filler match, in my opinion. I think that's greater, a greater story, because we got to get the Bailey-Sasha blow-off Yeah. at some point. I don't see Drew McIntyre losing to Seth Rollins. I hope to God not. Uh, please, I just please. don't see that. That's Drew as a champion. Yeah, is, you built him up so long to beat Brock Lesnar, and uh, there's no way that he's going to beat, in my opinion, Drew McIntyre. Now you have Bray Wyatt, not the Fiend, but Bray Wyatt wrestling Braun Strowman for the Universal Title. Now this is this is a little unpredictable because you don't know if it's actually going to be Bray Wyatt or if it's going to be Braun Strowman. Now, There's a recent match with Goldberg, and Goldberg taking the championship. Anything's yeah, possible. Yeah, anything's possible. But when they were face-to-face the other night in SmackDown, it's it's crazy how much uh, there's a difference in their promos. Bray Wyatt, in my opinion, in current WWE is up there with the best in giving promos. 100%. I think he. I think he's been the best... Uh, person at giving promos when he first debuted as Bray Wyatt, you know, leaving NXT to come up, and Braun Strowman is not just on his level, uh, but they gave they had to give the belt to Strowman because Roman backed out of WrestleMania, and everyone knew that Goldberg can't keep up with the schedule. So that match, it's a it's a little unpredictable, but I I do feel like that. Uh, Braun Strowman is going to retain if it's against Bray Wyatt. If against if it's against the Fiend, I think that McMahon's going to pull the trigger and put the title belt back on the Fiend. It all just depends on which Bray Wyatt we're getting in that match. You can't put the Fiend down. Again. You know what I mean? Again, yeah, you so can't. you can't because then you're you're really burying him. Oh, Bray Wyatt's built himself yeah. up. 
I think the coolest thing was that uh, match against John Cena. I love WrestleMania. It. I, I thought it. it was amazing because it told the story that everybody wanted them to tell, mm-hmm. and the way that they did it was so awesome. Like, yeah. I've never seen that before in my life. And given the circumstance with the virus going running rampant and everything, and they made something out of nothing, and that was the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, like I, I read about that match a lot the next day, like on different platforms and Facebook, and everyone was like, "Oh, this match sucked." It was da 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 da. It wasn't good, nah, but, you know. know but talking about yeah, when you when you really look at the match, it's a span of John Cena's career through the eyes of him being a heel. Correct. Absolutely. Which everybody has made that point for heel. years. Yeah. yeah, heel. Bray Wyatt's gloves hurt. Heel. So what the Fiend, in my opinion, is trying to explain is he's trying to heal. John Cena by turning him to the dark side. Just like he did with Daniel Bryan yeah. and everybody else. I guess you Seth can say Rollins, Finn Balor, too. Finn Balor, too. Yeah. But, I mean, the biggest heel turn in the history of wrestling is Hulk Hogan, obviously. Will John Cena ever turn heel? I don't know. I'm not going to waste my time on that because right now John Cena's not on television. I know he's doing his stuff outside of the ring, but... And there are some pre-show matches for tonight that got announced. I don't know if you saw R-Truth against MVP. I've seen that. First of all, MVP, I'm so glad he's back. Um, he cuts such great promos. The MVP lounge, mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, that's... that's... The v, excuse me, the VIP lounge, mm-hmm. the best. And he's great on the mic. Happy to see that guy back. And I think they're working towards him getting a stable. Absolutely. With Apollo Crews and a bunch of other dudes. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, we, we need stable. Shane Wrestling Thorne and stables. Brandon Vick. Yeah. Those two Vick, guys Brandon beat, Vick, yeah, yeah, those two guys beat, uh, Cedric Alexander and Ricochet and Raw the other night. And I think there's word on the street that McMahon wants to push Brandon Vick like Braun Strowman style, I read. Yeah, I seen that. Uh, I don't know how I really feel about that. I, know, I, don't, I don't know, know much about, about him. Dude. But I think And I've seen him go. once in NXT. I know who yeah. Shane Thorne is. He, he can go. That dude is awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really agree with it. But we'll see where. It but goes. If, if you give him the mouthpiece like MVP, then there's a shot. And that's the point. yeah. Now the other pre-show match, which in my opinion is kind of interesting, that's a, that is a pre-show match is it's the returning Jeff Hardy and Cesaro. Now my opinion on Cesaro, and I feel like other rest, diehard wrestling fans' opinions is he is the most underutilized wrestler in my opinion in the WWE probably the strongest guy Absolutely. on the roster between all rosters including NXT yeah and you wouldn't by looking at him you would see he's strong but the stuff that he's done um just picking people up like dead weight from like a, a prone position tossing them over their head like that's got you know I'm, I'm starting to just work out my fat ass but like you know that stuff is hard yeah yeah. day day one for me starts tomorrow oh nice Uh, Monday Um, as as we drink our coffee (laughs) yeah no but I mean honestly Cesaro he was so over when he was in the bar and he had the whole Cesaro section the signs in the crowd and and remember that's all due to McFoley because McFoley put those two together for the bar Remember that those two... The best out of seven seven. series, whatever it was. And I I think it somehow ended as a tie. 
Then yeah. those guys got together during a bar fight, like a scene that was outside. That was great. And that was awesome. Yeah. And from there, it just went to the top. Six-time WWE Tag Team Champions and Sheamus. Now, it's interesting because they're teasing Jeff Hardy against Sheamus, so I feel like Sheamus is going to get into that match somehow because he was he used to team with Cesaro, yeah. and you have Jeff Hardy. Maybe that'll get bumped to the main card. I don't know, but, I mean, right now in the main card, there's... If you include the Money in the Bank matches, that's one match. Correct. You have both title matches. You have the tag team title match, the Fatal 4-Way, which we're going to dive into in a second because there's a big part of that that we're going to talk about. And you have the female, I mean the SmackDown woman, that's five matches. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Fatal 4-Way match. Now this is interesting because you have four teams... You have the Miz and Morris and your Lucha House Party, the Champions of New Day, and the Forgotten Sons. The reason why the Forgotten Sons are there is because the Usos are out, because I think it's Jimmy's out for six months. Yeah. But this mystery hacker is around. And he was... Or she. He or she. Yeah. Was promoting something happening uh, at, at the pay-per-view. But I'm curious, is, you know, you've heard a male's voice several times, now mm-hmm. you just heard a female's voice. And people on the internet, the internet sleuths have turn the audio down, you know, playing with, like, their garage band or yeah. whatever, just like we're doing. Just like what we're recording and, on right uh, now. You know, they found out that, okay, this female's voice is such and such, and this male's voice is Mustafa Ali, or it's a Shorty G, whatever. Um, Chad Gable, I, I refuse to call him that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's curious to see, are they building another stable or whatever? You know, I'm, I, I'm, this is a, a good show. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. The one thing I hope that they don't do is they start the Money in the Bank match, like, let's say, quarter way through the show, and then they keep throwing back to it. Okay, let's check to see where they are. I hope they do not do that, because they've done that for stuff in the past, and that's been garbage. Oh, no, they're good. So I hope it's just it's a match itself. Yeah, I think they're going to just play that through. That's definitely, that's going to go for a long time. That may be like a 45-minute match. Because it's, Rightfully it's so. such a big yeah. area. And you have and it's two men matches. and women's yeah. stories you need to tell. It's going to be 45 to an hour. Because out of the Money in the Bank matches, you can have storylines come from this. Which, you know, anybody booking the territory should be kind of looking at that. Mm-hmm. Alright, I'm got i going to pit this guy against this guy. Because he cost me a, a shot at this uh, briefcase and so on and so forth. And then obviously the winner goes on to... Nag the champion for a while. <laughs> yeah. Now with with the so, hacker. So the fatal four way. Yeah. Yeah. Right, back the to hacker. There's so many theories out there. A lot of people are saying Ali. A lot of people are saying Chad Gable. I heard Xavier Woods out there. I heard Ember Moon. Now if it's the three of them and Ember Moon, that I mean, if if I'm creating the storylines, that's interesting. Because so break up the new day, those guys God. push merch. That's so hard, and their podcast too that they have. Yeah. You so can't. if you take him out, that leaves. I mean, Shorty G. I don't understand, but I mean, my bet is that it's majority of of Ali. The the blue ring that's his symbol. Correct. That could be just throwing you off, but when you looked at the, the so all this is one guy could be this whole time. Yeah, you never know. That's a whole time. Yeah, that's a push. It, it's been a while since they've committed to something like that. This is this is interesting, but if you looked at the vignette the other day before they had the six man tag man event, 
they were showing clips of the New Day together. They were showing clips of the Miz and Morrison together. They, they were, were talking about breaking somebody up. Clips of Sasha and Bailey. Now, out of those three, I feel like it's Sasha and Bailey, which means that it could be a female behind the hacker. Well, remember, the hacker had something to do with Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville breaking up. The truth will be heard, yes. Right. So, you know, you know, gives you reason to think about that. I don't know about the New Day. Yeah, because no. if so, Vince really had to say okay on that one. Yeah. And we know he doesn't like to give the okay. Because if it ain't his idea, it ain't working. Um, or he's not going to let it go. Well, if it's not Xavier Woods, then I, I, you could possibly see the hacker, you know, being a part of the tag team match necessarily and not just breaking the new day up. It could cost him the title. That uh, could happen. Understood. So... But it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a great pay-per-view, in my opinion. Uh, another one to be held in the Performance Center due to the pandemic going on. And it was just announced that SummerSlam is going to be canceled. Did you wow. hear about that? Yeah, the, the mayor of Boston, uh, he decided to cancel all public gatherings, large events, throughout September 7th. And now because mm-hmm. SummerSlam is supposed to be at the TD Garden in Boston, who knows where it's going to be. Betting choices... The headquarters, uh, performance center. Yeah, but you never know by that time. But um, rightfully so, that it's a move that they should do as a safety precaution. Um, I personally think it's the right choice. Yeah, um, absolutely. You, you just can't have that many people. No, twenty thousand people. No, together. You, and, mean, and you know, you know, you know how crazy these weekends go. Remember, yeah. they're selling ticket packages for you know accesses and and stuff that they're mm-hmm. they're doing around the town. Um, you know, hotel stays and all that stuff, and then you get the Raw and the SmackDown after, and, uh, you know, we, we normally get a takeover in that yeah. weekend also. And the NXT can get thrown in there, too. You never know. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be a pay-per-view that I think is going to uh, actually be surprising to many fans out there. I think it's going to be really good. Part of me thinks it's going to be really good. Yeah. I think what they want to do is, uh, in my, there was some backlash from WrestleMania with the whole, you know, no fans and you know, it is what it is, but I think that Vince McMahon wants to boost the ratings, and I think this is going to be his best opportunity to do it. I think this pay-per-view is going to be really good. So we'll see, but, you know... Well, a lot of the... At that time, for when Mania took place, there was a lot of back and forth between whether it's going to happen. It's not. Is Vince trying to get insurance money? He'll push it to June. Mm-hmm. He'll try to go back to New York, whatever, just to try to make the event go. Now that they know that they're in this for the long haul... They're going to make the best of it and, you know, work accordingly. And some people are jumping ship. Did you see that Stephen McMahon sold a million dollars over stock? I seen that. If it wasn't last night, it was the night before. Yeah, that. uh, that's 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 another story. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know nothing about the stock of WWE, but if people are selling their stock in large amounts, could be jumping ship, and there's talks of possibly ESPN and <sighs> Disney getting involved. Don't. Oh. That's going to be very interesting. There's blood in the water for other promotions, oh, too. Oh, yes. Like, how, I don't know. It's just a world without the WWE. No, it's, it's going it, to stay. It, no, but yes and no. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's just different. It's already different. Yeah. But, but without the, the McMahon name. And they would take a lesser role uh, and yeah. whatever, you know, like a lot of people do. But, I mean, Vince is 74. But don't sell it to Disney. Yeah. You're never well, going to get that. Well, ESPN is owned by Disney, so it's... Well, like, still, yeah. right. You're never going to get that product that 
we all crave for. Mm-hmm. Listen, nobody's ever getting attitude error stuff. Like I've come to the terms with that. Yeah. You know, we're not doing bra and panty matches or oh, no. whatever no. on a pole matches anymore. But uh-huh. so I get that. But you know, you know, you like a little rawness to it. Yeah. You know, and if you sell to those other companies, like let's call them baby companies, because you know it's all about. You know. We need some dark stuff. Yeah, we like do. the Fiend has been the darkest thing in the WWE since. Right. What are they going to do? Change his mask because it's too yeah. scary? You know. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. I mean, he hasn't been the Fiend in a while. Like you haven't seen him actually as the Fiend since. And I'm okay with that because yeah. then it doesn't get stale. Yeah. That's the thing. Too much exposure mm-hmm. is a bad thing. I, I'm a I'm a big you know me I'm a big Fiend fan. Yeah, I, I'm waiting I, for you to come back with a Fiend tattoo. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you want to get I'm, the fireflies on there. Yeah, I get, well, I got the I got the. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, I'm I dedicated my left arm to be a wrestling mural, and I got Undertaker and Paul Bear with the urn, and I got Bray Wyatt's lantern. And I plan on getting Macho Man or the Fiend, but that's how dedicated I am. Get the Fiend because I gotta get Macho yeah. Man. I'm gonna get the <laughs> I'm gonna get the uh, his glasses like the ones I wore over the other day. You get creamers the... hanging out of it or not? <laughs> no, because that that would look weird. It's cream dripping off. Of Another story. Um, no, I might have it say Madness in there you glasses. Go. That's... So, but so that that's that's gonna be our you know Money in the Bank prediction. But today's episode. It's uh, we entitled it "Looking from the Outside" because it's going to be a tribute to the greatest managers of all time. Uh, managers that are, uh, I feel like right now in WWF product or WWE products, managers are not like what they used to be. If you look at the WWE right now, what managers are there? There's Zelina Vega. I don't count Lana. No. There's Paul Heyman. Now Paul Heyman, we'll talk about a little bit later, but. Excuse you, advocate. Advocate, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's pretty much it. But if we're going back in the way back machine, the biggest, uh, well, I would say the greatest manager, in my opinion, is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yes, to all the humanoids out there, yes. Yeah, to all the, <laughs> to all the humanoids out there, that's, that's what he called all the fans. Now, Bobby the Brain Heenan was on a whole nother level. Uh, he actually was a wrestler. He started off wrestling in 1969, and he didn't have any formal training, and it was pretty obvious from the beginning. And he showed characteristics of being a a manager, so he decided to go to be a manager. And he started off uh, in the AWA, and then he eventually worked his way to WWF. But uh, he was he had such a quick wit, and even when he was a broadcast. When he was broadcasting the Gorilla Monsoon, he was so quick, and he had the range to play to the crowd, and he can either be a coward when he was, you know, getting chased by the wrestlers, or he was a mastermind, costing uh, other wrestlers' matches with with members of the Heenan family. Like, real chicken shit heel. Yeah, real. Like, look at WrestleMania Five. He cost Ultimate Warrior the title. He grabbed his legs, and Rick Rude was the champion. Yeah. Warrior dropped the title, and then eventually he got it back. But um, that was just the good. Now, that was his first title, actually, with the WWF, was when Rick Rude uh, got the Intercontinental title. But it's funny because Bobby Heenan was involved in back-to-back WrestleMania main events. He managed King yes. Kong Bundy, yes, WrestleMania did. two, and he managed Andre the Giant, WrestleMania three. three. Right. So, um, 
when fans, when they were watching Heenan at ringside, it was like an artist at work, honestly. Um, when one of the members of the Heenan family took a beating, he took the same beating too. He would jump in there and he would he would help one members of, the, of his family. One of the real managers who would go and take a bump. Absolutely. And uh, he he took some spots for sure. Yeah. You know. Well, but it was also part of the story, and it also like made it. Plus, anytime that you know you seen him get hit or whatever, it was always funny because you're oh, like, yeah. "Oh, right, you know, you want that yeah. guy." Yeah, he was hit. he was actually in a couple matches. He he had a WrestleMania five match against the Red Rooster, which was a squash, but yes. he was part of the yeah. <laughs> Red Rooster. <laughs> he, he came down wearing a singlet yes. like Andre the Giant. Like, who is this guy? And then WrestleMania four, he teamed up with the Islanders and he beat the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. And the biggest memory from that is. He was wearing a dog suit because Matilda used to bite him, the British Bulldogs mascot, and he comes in the ring looking like a straight jacket, and he Which played, he played it off yeah. so well. He did play it off so well. Um, he had such a skill of, of, of elevating all of his wrestlers that were heels on screen because he would draw the negative reactions from himself and... And you know from the from the crowd, and he had a lot of great names as uh, members of the Heenan family. I mean, before the Heenan family was born, the AW when he, when he was in the AWA, he had Nick Bockwinkle, heavyweight champion. He moves over. He has Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy, um, Harley Race, Hercules, Barbarian, Mister Wonderful, King Kong Bundy. Uh, he he also didn't manage the Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah. So you know, Jobber City, he gets uh, he gets a Jobber in the Brooklyn Brawler. But talk about his champions. He had a lot of champions. He had uh, Rick Rude, Intercontinental. He had Mister Perfect, Intercontinental yeah. Champion, who next to Macho Man, one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions of all time. And he did. He had two sets of tag team champions, so he kind of ventured to tag teams too. He had the Colossal Connection, which was Andre and Haku. Mm-hmm. That was Andre's only title reign in WWF at the time. If you don't include the screw job that make, that Million Dollar Man did, which yes. is a setup for WrestleMania Four, which is a setup for your favorite wrestler to win, to win, yeah, to win the title. And he also had the Brain Busters, and the Brain Busters were significant yeah. because they they ended Demolitions. 478 day reign as champion and I talk about that in episode 2 of Sunset Flip Radio and he just carried heat so well honestly he carried heat to the point where and there was a situation I did some research 1975 he carried heat so well that someone actually fired a gun at him at an AWA show they fired a gun inside of inside of an arena because he interfered in one of Nick Bockwinkel's matches and it got to the point where the fans had that much hate against the guy. When you get that much hate against somebody... You're doing something right. Yeah, we haven't seen that in in the manager point of view since when? Him. No right. one has, has that much heat since Bobby Heenan. I mean, nobody wants to get shot at either. No, <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. I'm not gonna. I don't plan on coming to a WWE show right. and looking over my shoulder getting shot. But, know. but he came to WWE in '84, and he had the intentions of actually managing Jesse the Body. But 
he it was actually changed at Big John Stud. Yes. Um, now he was part of WrestleMania one because Big John Stud and Andre the Giant had the famous body slam challenge. And uh, the reason why was because Jesse the body had blood clots in his lungs and he retired. Retired. So, but not just a manager. He was so gifted that he had great work as a commentator, right? Yeah. What do you What do you think of him as a commentator? Because I thought he was phenomenal. He was probably the funniest um, commentators in the business. Yeah, him and Gorilla Monsoon. The the. The rapport those two had together, and you could say it in one sentence. You know, it's Gorilla Monsoon and, and Bobby the Brain. It, mm-hmm. it was a package deal. You know what you got, and it was like you know you look forward to hearing those two voices, and especially Bobby's because you know what you got. It was a classic face heel commentator. Mm-hmm. They would feed off of each other. You know, uh, Gorilla Monsoon would just oh, man, all right already. You will know? you stop? Will you stop? <laughs> right. Give me a break, you know, just... But a big part of them being together was... I mean, Bobby the Brain Heenan was a funny guy. Primetime wrestling, if you... Again, if if you're not a member of the WWE Network and you're an old-school wrestling fan, I strongly suggest that you become a member because there's so much good content from 85 and 92, the golden era. And if you look at uh, a lot of the primetime wrestling episodes, the, the comedic aspect of Bobby the Brain and Gorilla Monsoon going back and forth. And timing, too. Timing, yeah. You know, it's just... Off the top of the head. Yeah. And there were times when Gorilla Monsoon would just crack and laugh because Bobby the Brain was that funny of a guy. And He would always stay in character. Yeah, he would always stay in character. And, you know, it's sad about how he passed. I know he had throat cancer, but... uh, as far as a manager is concerned, he carried not just himself, but his wrestlers so well. He always had the back of his wrestlers. Even though he sold a couple off, he sold Hercules, actually, <laughs> to the Million Dollar Man. And that's very problematic. You sold a person to yeah. another person. I mean, you know, you got to see that them. again. That's yeah. Saying. And I remember watching the interview. It was like on, it was on Saturday Night's Main Event. And it's Hercules and Bobby the Brain and Virgil. We're not going to talk about thank Virgil. God, thank God he didn't sell Virgil because it's a whole other problem. Oh my God, Virgil! Oh, oh she's trying. Hey, I'm not a racist. <laughs> I'm not a racist. <laughs> um, but Bobby the Heen and Bobby the Brain sells Hercules to Million Dollar Man, and Hercules is flipping out, causing him to turn to a face. And Bobby looks at him and says, "That's the business. That's the business. That's just." That's a phenomenal answer just to the kind of person. He was nicknamed the Weasel yeah. for a reason, right? He actually yeah. wrestled in Weasel matches. Like, he had hit a couple of matches at Bad Square Garden Ultimate Warrior dressed up as a Weasel. The w, uh, WWF released an action figure of him dressed up as a Weasel. It's crazy. But he, in my opinion, is one of the greatest managers of all time. Yeah. And, and it also uh, needs to be said that he would do commentary... He didn't start doing full-time commentary until, like, early 90s. Yeah, early 90s. But yeah. while doing commentary, um, you know, from, like, 85 to, let's say, 90, just to mm-hmm. put it somewhere, he would um, put the headset on, leave, go manage, come back out <laughs> to the ring, and then go after that's over, just come back to the ring. Yeah. And it also needs to be said, and when we touch on other managers, that at this time, when the managers, there were the golden era of managers here... 
they would have multiple people in their stable. You know, we talked about the Heenan family. They would go have a match, come back, come out with the other dude. Yeah. Like who? Really, who does that? It was just like, they I don't do that today. No, no, right. no, 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 no. It's that's and just, act like nothing happened before. Yeah, that's right. just that's just how different it was back then. Right. And now there's just so many different storylines, and you know, you're with this person, and you're with this person. But back in the day, it was like you could have had. Five or six right. different uh, people underneath you managing, and you know we're going to talk about a lot of the people that we talk about did have multiple wrestlers, like you know obviously Bob the Brain, and then Jimmy Hart. Look at Jimmy Hart. I was going to say the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, a, another guy who would do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he would bring the Nasty Boys down. All right, they won the championship. Okay, now come back, change his attire mm-hmm. to match whoever great he's jackets. managing. He oh, great jackets. Like air spray painted jackets. And then come back out with the next guy. Mm -hmm. It was great. Yeah. Now, Jimmy Hart actually started off as a musician. I remember I was watching the Hall of Fame ceremony. We got inducted. He was a musician that got into the wrestling business, and mm. and he, he does, has a restaurant in Florida. Yeah, he did yeah, that, and he does have a like a, like a number one single. I I don't know. Oh I don't, my god! I don't know. I didn't look that up, but he is a musician. If you have the time, look up Jimmy Hart music. But Jimmy Hart was another level of manager because he brought something that a lot of managers didn't was the vocal was the was the mouth hence yeah. the mouth of the south he had the megaphone the megaphone was going constantly during the match yeah. you can hear him talk and to this day still carries around the megaphone still, still lives the gimmick <laughs> yeah Fair. what a gimmick what a gimmick. <laughs> what a gimmick but look at the people that he managed he started off with the heart foundation yeah. Right. Actually, and he, I remember the jacket with the hearts on it. Yes, mm-hmm. he managed the Heart Foundation right when they got in. He also managed a women's tag team off the top of my head. I don't know the name. That was way back in WWF. But you know, he he did manage the Heart Foundation when they first started when they were the black and blue. Mm. Remember that? And he did have some champions. He had. Uh, the Nasty Boys for tag team titles. Yeah. He and they sold that championship. I remember that because yeah. I think they used the megaphone. They used the megaphone. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the, the megaphone was a weapon. Yeah. That was just right. something that you never saw before. It. it was so cool. And I remember when he came out with the Nasty Boys WrestleMania Seven when they did beat the Heart Foundation. He comes in with like the spray painted black leather jacket, the megaphone, and he's wearing like a biker helmet. Yeah. And it was so funny because. The mouth of the south. Oh, he had, he also carried that to the ring too. Yeah. Either, they either won with the megaphone or won with the biker helmet, and he yeah. hit him over the head. Yes. He I hit. forget how that happened. Yeah. But I remember his hair was so matted down. I remember when he well, took that. We, like, well, I think he had the greatest mullet in mullet history. He did. Right. <laughs> he definitely did, and he uh, he was the manager for the honky tonk man. Right? Yeah. He was the honky-tonk man. <laughs> you could consider it an opening act for the yeah. honky-tonk Yeah, I mean, after... Well, it was Rhythm and Blues, but after the honky-tonk man won right. the title, this is after he was him and Greg the Hammer, the Rhythm and Blues. He had Earthquake, Dino Bravo, right? Yeah, he had... With Dino Bravo, when Dino was wearing the blue gear, yep. he had a yeah. blue jacket and pants. Yeah, because Dino, Dino Bravo, his first manager was Frenchie Martin. Uh, he was uh, the guy who had like the little spectacle in his eye. WrestleMania yeah. Four, Frenchie Martin yeah. was uh, debuting with with Dino, but 
Jimmy Hart took took him over, and they kind of did have a stable. They had like the Canadian stable because the Cana- the earthquake was billed as the Canadian earthquake. So it was the Canadian earthquake. You had Dino Bravo, and you had the Fabulous Rougeau brothers. Now the Fabulous Rougeau brothers never had a a WWF title run as tag team champions, and neither did Dino Bravo or Earthquake. So Jimmy Hart managed the, the wrestlers that never really got, like, mid-card guys. Right. And that was something different about Jimmy Hart because he became the vocal piece for them. Yeah. He, he did. He was put there almost to try to get those guys over. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, after making his name. Yeah. And, you know, I would say he did that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, he was he was a great manager, and when you look at that time, you had uh, just don't ask him to take those glasses off. No, Never see him without the glasses. Oh, oh the beady eyes! Oh it, my god! It'll change your perspective on what he looks like. Looks like he's never slept in his life. Yes. Yeah. So we had you had Bobby the Brain, you had Jimmy Hart, the Mouth of the South, and then you had a, you had a couple other good managers during that run. You had Slick, the Doctor of Style, Slick. Slick. Now Slick was just a character. That he had, he had the natural Butch Reed. He, he managed um, the one man gang. Wasn't AK. Teddy Long a manager for a minute? Teddy was Long it? was a manager for Butch Reed. Doom, which is Butch Reed Doom. and Ron Simmons in WCW. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. yeah. So the Doctor of Style, slick, great outfits. Yeah. Cheap, yep. cheap suits. Looks yeah. like cheap suits. But he would always come in and do his little shuffle in the ring. And he had the one man gang. He had. Who turned into Akeem the African Dream. <laughs> but she was white. But she was white. Now, the vignette leading The only way that would have worked if you build them from South Africa, because then that could work. Yeah. But that's beside the point. The, yeah. the vignette was of him starting Akeem was Slick talking about him to Mean Gene, and there was like a, a ritual fire in the background in like the ghetto, and he's talking to Jive. <laughs> For anyone that doesn't know about the one-man gang, he is a large white man who's about 400 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a little, eh. That was a little little shaky at the time. Can't replicate that today. No. With Hell today's no. Twitter world no. and uh, uh, PC culture. No, you saw, like you saw that. Very problematic. You saw that wrestler Jordan Miles quit NXT because of the shirt. Yeah, you see That was a little, yeah, yeah that was a little bad. Yeah, uh, I mean that. That's a whole. That's a whole racism in wrestling. Uh, that we can do a podcast and a half on that. Um, <laughs> but, is not a racist. No, I'm not a racist. Not a racist. And he said that to Arsenio Hall. Right? Yes, he did. <laughs> he did. Now it's funny because we talk about Macho Man, and Macho Man's had a manager tryout. We talked about this in episode three, of Cream of the Crop, the Macho Man experience. That he he was billed as this top free agent who managers kind of auditioned, and he comes out with Miss Elizabeth, right? right? Now Miss Elizabeth was kind of a different quote unquote manager. Right. I consider her more of a valet, right? right. Val and a valet. Since we're on this topic, we should yeah. talk about some of the valets. Yeah, go ahead. Talk. Yeah, let's um, hear about Miss Elizabeth. Well, so you know, so Miss Elizabeth, like we touched on uh, last week with our episode, you know, she wasn't supposed to be with them. But he decided, he, he convinced them, um, you know, Vince and the crew, you know, I got I got this lady, you know, she's my lady, mm-hmm. I want to bring her out. And this is one of the best decisions they ever could have made. Yeah. Because um, we all know how that turned out and um, definitely brought a different audience. Um, it brought a level of, 
uh, realness, I would say, to the character and, and to the business, um, you know, to see her just in the way that she was used was very like, very reserved, not like what we're talking about. Very her. calm. Very calm. Rarely spoke. Nope. If so, maybe Unless always macho had, had her speak. Correct. Only had like weird. 10 lines or so and always kind of said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um... But you know, just elegance. Yeah, she know? was. She was a valet. I think she was more. Of a, she was a more valet. of a valet. Now, like when she, whenever she spoke, like when it would be her doing promos with Mean Gene. I mean, Macho Man's going nuts. Back turned to the camera. The Miss Elizabeth's kind of standing with her arms crossed behind him, and she right. always say, "You know, it's you know whatever whatever the Macho Man and thinks." Was, yeah, whatever. You think. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, you know, I think Elizabeth is brought in just to give Macho Man's uh, gimmick more of a feel because yeah. he was that ego-driven, uh, very um, controlling gimmick. Right, right. So I mean, Elizabeth, she did take some bumps though. She you did. know, she. she I think more. I think she came out of her shell more. Unfortunately, at the end of the Macho Man Elizabeth run with the with WrestleMania Seven, her right. coming jumping over the stands, yeah, taking down Sensational Sherry, coming back at WrestleMania Eight, and she was kind of the whole nucleus of the Mega Powers breaking up. Right. So she did have a significant. She was part. the reason why they started, mm-hmm. and the reason why they had ended. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. No. She was she was a significant part, a cog, an important cog mm-hmm. in that machine. Yeah, like you, when you when you look at the whole, when everything's on the table, like you see Elizabeth is there. Yeah. I mean, Bobby the Brain was there, but he was different because he actually spoke. He was the manager. Right. Elizabeth was like the catalyst of the mega powers exploding. Right. Yeah. And the catalyst of. Her getting back with with Macho Man on yeah. on camera, even though it was weird, they were divorced, kayfabe, right. uh, you know, going all through that stuff, and you know, we talk about women managers now. We have Elizabeth, and then we have Sensational Sherry, right? Who was the complete? We would be remiss opposite. if we did not talk about her. No, right? Yeah, and uh, Sensational Sherry, Queen Sherry, uh, mm-hmm. Sister Sherry, Sister when Sherry. she was with Harlem. <laughs> oh man, that was don't get so me good. started on that program. Oh my God, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. That's oh god again. Unfortunately, if you, if 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 you never <laughs> that's a promo. If, to have if when, you that, never that's right up there with uh, Steiner math. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I love Booker T, great wrestler, but he had and one of Stevie the worst. Ray, yeah. yeah, him and the Shockmaster probably had two of the worst botches in uh, interview slash promo history. All I gotta say is Hulk Hogan, I'm coming for you. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. And if you want to watch the rest on YouTube, you can go for it. Um, it was kind of funny, but you can see on his face automatically the regret that he had. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> Sherry Martell, sister of um, the, the, the model Rick Martell, started off as a wrestler, uh, champion, turned into a manager. Now, she had that she had that grit behind her. She had that she did. fire behind her. She was she, the opposite of Elizabeth. Yes. She spoke more. Uh, she, uh, I know this, the, the, when she was, uh, Queen Cherry with the, um, program running with Dusty and she was going after Sapphire, she was, she was a violent woman. Yeah. 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 Something that, something that was totally different. And, you know, she, um. And she needed to be to fit the persona. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So, and then she was also manager of, well, I don't want to say manager, but, and maybe half valet, half manager of the Heartbreak Kid. Yes. She's on, uh, you know, his forever immortalized on the song. She was the original singer yes. of uh, I'm a Sexy Boy, I yeah. guess that's the name of the song. And uh, She was also with Ted DiBiase, too. And that was right after. Mm-hmm. That's still, that's uh, WrestleMania 7. Yes. Uh, further down the card towards the uh, tail end of the show uh, where she went out with uh, Ted DiBiase. Yeah. Or aligned herself with him. Yeah, so she, she played a lot of different roles. And, you know, quietly, she... She she's up there with one of the greatest women managers, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, I mean if there you, haven't been too many, and no. she definitely is one, yeah. two, and three on the list. Yeah. You know? Elizabeth, she again quiet, reserved, but she did one provide. Point, but that's okay. Yeah, she did provide uh, some of the heel tactics and aspects of being a manager, but. You know, it's hard not to... It's She's hard always not a to, distraction, you know? For, yeah. Well, for Macho Man and oh, yeah. for others as well. Yeah, she was a she was a beautiful woman sitting on the outside wearing a huge gown. And she was definitely an eyepiece for some of the matches. Now... Sherry. Yeah, and Sherry. So we so we talk about Jimmy Hart, and we talk about Bobby Heenan, and there, were, there was another manager that debuted in 1991... Who was a dark side? Paul Bearer. Mm. Now, when Undertaker debuted in the nineteen ninety Survivor Series, he was billed from Death Valley as to be uh, escorted by Brother Love. Yes. Yes. Now, Brother Love was he never, was, and he was escorted by Brother Love. He was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. And uh, Brother I Love, love you. <laughs> aka Bruce Pitchard, uh, who has a podcast, something to wrestle on WWE Network, and Paul Bre- Paul Bearer was a whole nother level of manager in my opinion because he kind of started the whole like uh, besides Bobby the Brain and Jimmy Hart, he was a big vocal piece of the Undertaker because the Undertaker's gimmick was. A slow, dark yes. man, and Paul he Bearer. He needed a mouthpiece based on the yeah. character, and you needed somebody to kind of carry that for him. Mm-hmm. And my earliest memories of Undertaker, Undertaker and Paul Bearer, there was it mm-hmm. was one in the same. They were together. It was one, and um, you know I remember all the promos they did with uh, mankind. Then he would. Uh, and then he became his manager, and then Kane, when he brought Kane now, and oh man, it was good times back then. Yeah, and... And all the, and, and that program, if you think about it, like when he went with The Undertaker, then it went to Mankind, and then Undertaker, and then Kane, and whatever that back and forth was, all, all was like consecutive. Like, you know, it all played a part into where they were going forward with the storytelling. Now, uh, now Paul Bearer, he played a significant role at a time where the managers weren't that really existent when... Um, Coming you know, into the new generation and going, you know, getting away from the managerial role and everybody was their own individual who needed to talk, um, get themselves over and everything else. Yeah, he uh, he turned his back on The Undertaker and, you know, started 
he jumps ship and managed mankind, mm-hmm. and they're in the whole new era before the Attitude Era. Yeah, it was like right on that. Yeah, cusp. it was the cusp. Because I, I, I remember seeing, you know, I remember when Mankind debuted all those Boiler Room promos. Oh I yeah. Would, so that's like ninety five, ninety six. So I'm eight, seven, eight years old. And I'm scared shitless. I'm oh, like, yeah. I don't ever want to be in no boiler room. And I lived at my uncle's, and there was a boiler room. I was like, <laughs> yeah. whoa, I'm not going down there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was a boiler room match with Undertaker and Mankind at SummerSlam, I yes. believe, that year. Yes. And then, uh, and then Paul Bearer, he becomes the vocal piece. He had to be the vocal piece for Kane. My God, that's <laughs> gotta be Kane. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and uh, he came in his debut, Hell in the Cell, infamously. Coming through the ring? Yeah, costing uh, Undertaker the Magic and Shawn Michaels, ripping the door off the hinges, and you see that Paul Bearer is is uh, is the one that's driving that because he's telling Undertaker, Kane, Kane's alive, Kane's alive. And that's how the promos were for weeks leading up mm-hmm. to that point. And those were kind of like dark, ominous, you know, fits in with the tone of where we were with the WWE. Mm-hmm. He, Undertaker just stops what he's doing. He's yeah. blindsided by, by him saying Kane. Um, now, another manager that is definitely a vocal piece more currently, because we're, we're going to go back and forth. I mean, we're going to talk about new manager, old managers, older managers, Paul Heyman. Yes. All right. Let's talk about Paul Heyman. Vocal piece to the max. Yeah. Right. Anytime that Paul Heyman's out, you know you're getting a good promo. And whoever he's with, it's like uh, being King Midas. Yeah. Whoever he touches. Turns the gold. Majority of the time. I Except know. Curtis Axel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rest in peace to Curtis Axel's WWE career. He was recently released, but... Uh, when he when he's with CM Punk and more more famous obviously Brock Lesnar, he brought a different uh, thing to the table. He was definitely the one that built the character of Brock Lesnar. In my yes, opinion. and on several occasions, you yeah. know, uh, in the early two thousands um, when Brock first arrived, and then to what we see today with today's product, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's a mouthpiece for Brock. But when he aligned himself with Punk, Punk could handle his own. So that was a whole different time for Paul Heyman, too. At that time, it was just Paul Heyman. That was, to me, that was the equivalent of Heenan uh, showing up behind Andre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that yep. was what he was with Punk, because Punk didn't need it. Yeah. It was a welcomed addition. You know, Punk famously cut that pipe bomb promo on his own. You know, uh, probably against a lot of other people's wishes, but that, that's for another time. Um, but he didn't really need Heyman as much, but for different reasons than um, Brock needs Heyman now. Yeah. Um, so you can see where the character de- uh, evolved there, which is awesome. Because you always got to reinvent yourself so nothing's ever stale. Yeah, Brock's, Brock's good for that minute promo. Literally, talk for a minute. And let Heyman take the rest of it. Yeah, if he's not awesome. calling somebody a bitch or something. Yeah. That's all you get, you know? Yeah, you and get, it's effective. It's effective. You, you get that derogatory yeah. remark, which makes a lot of sense at the moment. Or you get the Brock party. Yeah, the the Brock party with the, the boombox. <laughs> oh, my God. No, but, I mean, Paul Heyman, he he managed uh, Mean Mark. Mean yep, Mark Calloway back in WCW. Paulie Dangerously. 
and uh, he's he's mostly known for famously with that that damn old cell phone Zach thing. Morris phone yeah the yeah. wording gecko Zach Morris phone that yeah. he used as a prop also with, with a lot more hair and a lot less weight he was a skinny yeah dude. but yeah. he still had that uh, he still had that slick back ponytail cheap knowing suit he gimmick was bald, cheap suit gimmick yeah. Knowing that he was going bald, but just kind of went with it anyway, and then mm-hmm. he would throw, you know, when it, the ECW days, famously with the ECW hat, the ponytail out the back, and always microphone in hand, you know, yeah. like you can close your eyes and you can see Paul Heyman. He, I mean, he obviously he's the creator of ECW, and uh, he's obviously famously known for that. But started he, as a photographer for the um, WWE back in '83. Or somewhere early back then when yeah, he got he, access and started taking pictures and kind of started learning the business. His wrestling career is just, it's ridiculous. It's just so much different information and so much, many different jobs he had. Yeah. But I mean, for right now, Paul Heyman's the kind of guy where he's not on TV for whenever Brock comes back, but you know, when he comes back, it's like he's never left. It's must-see TV. Yeah. When he speaks, you stop. Yeah. It's like with The Miz, my hand goes up, your mouth goes shut. shut. You gotta now, listen to Paul Heyman. Yeah, like, if you put him in the category with managers, him, Jim Cornette, Bobby the Brain Heenan, all talk very well. And when they talk, you listen, right. in my opinion, when and they're it, talking and, about And their wrestling. words have weight to them. Mm-hmm. You know, because they built themselves up on their own, that whoever you align yourself with, one, gets a boost, and two, is legit. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Um, you know, in the Dangerous Alliance, remember, he had that mm-hmm. going on in different incarnations, of course. You know, he managed Steve Austin, Rick Rude, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other people. But, you know, he gave those guys their um, the rub, you know, Steve Austin famously, um, to where he could develop and become um, Stunning Steve and then go on to be Stone Cold and, and, and WWE. Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, and look at Paul Heyman now. He is actually in the back production. Yeah. He's, well, he's probably one of the people we need to protect. Uh, you know, you're like, oh, I got to protect this guy. No, protect Paul Paul Heyman with with your life because, you know, he you can see his, his, uh, his handiwork on Raw, mm-hmm. especially... And as we transition to our next manager and most current one, Zelina Vega and, and that group. Yeah. Whatever they decide to call themselves, which I hope ends up becoming legit, um, that little stable that they have, you know, Paul Heyman has something to do with those guys getting pushes, other people coming up, because he's kind of making it. He has he has the keys. He's got the reins. They let the leash go a little bit with him because, you know, him and Vince famously have had their tiffs throughout the years. Hate and, each other you know, when, they, when he got fired and everything. Yeah. And, you know, for him to still be around um, and have such an important role in the product today, you know, either Vince is going senile or he finally, like, gets it. Well, you remember, you know? the, remember the ECW invasion, like, when Raw first started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was huge because... Vince would loan him knew. guys in ECW, um, you know, for, like, thousands of dollars a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, you can have such and such and whatever. Like, they had a little bit of a partnership. They did. And there were times when you saw Tommy Dreamer sitting in the front row with Rob Van Dam and Sabu at, like, Monday Night Raw. And then, yeah. you know, they would come out and Sabu jumped off the Raw sign at, uh, 
Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. That was like in the first few years of Raw. That big Raw. Yeah. Yeah. The letters. And yeah. right there, it's just, that's just, it's Paul Heyman's, he's a genius. Yeah. He's an absolute genius. Paul Heyman is like the Bobby the Brain of the current. Yes, um, that that's the best way to put it. Yeah. And I'm glad you made that connection because, like, he's our heirs, Bobby the Brain. Yeah. Hands and, down. And, hands down. Hands and, down. You know, everybody get everybody in a in no, in whatever sport or whatever. Everybody gets somebody of the past, but reincarnated as somebody else. Because mm-hmm. everybody, every generation needs something, and that this is our one of our many. But this is our something here. Yeah. And and we are fortunate enough to have uh, uh, Paul Heyman. Now you 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 mentioned Zelina Vega, mm. right? She. Woof. <laughs> Married to Aleister Black, which is kind of good polar. For, good for you. Good for, good for you, Mr. Tattoo Man, you. With the hardcore music uh, being from the Netherlands or wherever you're from. Hold on, that his theme song slaps though. That shit's oh, hard. it's so it's good. Awesome. It's the same words over and over, but it's, you, but you, okay. just, it's you like just, five minutes long. It's you just want to run through a wall when you. I want it. to drive through people's houses <laughs> I want to break shit yeah. <laughs> and then go about my business yeah. but yeah go ahead <laughs> but she she's kind of again because we're talking about current and past we're going to go back and forth and you said you wanted to bring up Zelina she's like kind of like this new era of of manager female and she can go she can wrestle in her own she right? can wrestle yeah the uh, Trinidad yeah is her name yeah. yeah she can wrestle and she has this young stable right now Andrade Austin uh, Theory. Austin Theory and Angel Garza, current product. And they've been on TV a lot on Raw. They've opened shows. Yeah. They've been in the middle of shows. Mm -hmm. And they've closed it. uh, Like Raw two weeks ago, beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. And this is due to Heyman also because this is... You can see his 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 work here. He has a certain feel for some guys. Exactly. One of them is Angel Garza. Yeah. Yeah. He loves Angel Garza. Apparently, he's really big on Apollo Crews. He's really big on uh, Tazawa, apparently, I read. I read that. And he's yeah. big on Black, and he's huge on Murphy. And good for the... And good, because we need to see that, that fresh beacon of hope, mm-hmm. the new talent, and those guys... All those people that you mentioned can go. They those can go. people can wrestle. You just won't go. They just can go. go. <laughs> yeah, you just want people that can wrestle. But, you know, back to, back to Zelina, she brings that mouthpiece to the table and she does interfere with matches yeah she's kind of like a young sherry you know what i mean like she's like that yeah. young fiery just a lot shorter oh <laughs> yes a lot shorter than sherry and, and she is a great wrestler in her own and you know in her own accord and you know she brings a lot of that old school back mm-hmm. um where you know paul Heyman said he doesn't we want doesn't want to have managers that's why he's an advocate she brings that old managerial role you interfere you're the mouthpiece. You're running multiple. I talked about earlier having been out there with one person and go in the back and come out with the other guy. Yeah, she's doing, <laughs> she's that. doing that. She's doing all of yeah, that. Yeah, she was like. And if nobody appreciates you. that, then you ain't watching. No, no, you got you got to appreciate the fact that you have managers, past and present, that held more than one job. 
Yeah. More 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 than one member of their family, quote unquote, stable. You gotta appreciate that because it's you gotta the managers were adapting to the gimmick of their wrestler. Right. The gimmick of Andre the Giant was ten times different than the gimmick of ravishing Rick Rude. Yeah. Right. You know, you had uh Paul Heyman, his gimmick Ten times different than CM Punk, than to Brock Lesnar and to Curtis Axel in the WWE product, and Zelina Vega is doing the same thing right now. Mm-hmm. Two, I mean Andrade, he's a little different because he his. That's who I wish. So jumping from what we started with the Money in the Bank preview yeah, to the manager, me too. He needed to be the one in that match, the ladder match, and win the briefcase. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that seeing Zelina Vega hold that briefcase on the microphone with her stable behind her wouldn't be the best thing to watch and That's go really TV. hard. That's that great. is great television. Yeah. And I really think they missed the boat on that. You know why? You know Vince McMahon told Andrade that he has to learn English? Yeah, I've seen that. That's kind of weird. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking about racism on this podcast? Yeah, well, well, you know, I mean, unfo- unfortunately with hand in hand because there is some under underlining racism in wrestling. But and why should he learn English? Okay, whatever. Okay, fine. But what's the point of Zelina Vega then? That's why she's there mm-hmm. to do the. Andre the Giant couldn't talk either. Yeah, she's he the mouthpiece. His word. He's she's the mouthpiece for Andrade. Yeah, and he's the one who should have won a chance to get into that match. Yes, win the damn briefcase. It'd be such a good and have her carry it. You miss the clear opportunity to go in this direction at this time. If that happens next year, okay, fine. Yeah. You know, a whole 365 days from now, you know, it's a whole different. We can see where the product is. But you miss that opportunity to bring such good eyes on the product and build up your ratings because you would have had all my money. Take all my money to to just watch that. Now, all I'm going to say is if, if, if Baron Corbin can win a briefcase... If Damian Sandow can win a money in the bank, in the, in the bank briefcase, <laughs> get it which he did, and then lose it right away, there is no absolute reason why Andrade should not just be in the match. He was in the match last year when we were we saw him. Because that's kind of, yeah, he had just come up. Yeah, it was him. We saw Ricochet. We saw Ali, Finn Balor, Randy Orton. Baron Corbin. And that was a match for the ages. I'll go back and watch that. I'm going to watch that today when I leave here. Yeah. That was a great match. I mean, And I'm going to try to look for us in the crowd because I've been trying to do it and I I can't stop I did send you that picture of Bailey and you can see because I'm a a large man if no one knows me. I was wearing this Mr. Perfect shirt. It was a black shirt with just like this glob of white in the middle. I remember I saw me like in the background. But um, yeah, it's... And then... There's a lot of managers out there. Like we talk about props a lot, right? We talk about props a lot in in Macho Man, where Macho Man had the scepter, and you had Jimmy, you had Matt the Scepter with the megaphone. Another great manager who was kind of quiet but spoke, but had such a a um, an authority on the outside and an outcome matches. Mr. Fuji. Yeah. Now, Mr. Fuji. Was a former tag team champion. He has the and a background. Good wrestler in his own. He has sport. the background, yeah. But he comes up, Mr. Fuji, demolition. Yes. Mr. Fuji with the cane. 
you know, and uh, he he won them the title. He also turned their back on him. So Mr. Fuji was a great he was a great manipulator, mastermind. He can go this way. He can go. He can go left. He can go right. He can be your best friend. He can be your heel. And see, that's another another managerial thing that I'm glad you brought him up. We're mm-hmm. talking about now is manipulation. Yeah. So you have presence. You know, you, you have you know, let's say mountains <clears throat> is whatever. And now we have manipulation. So yeah. that's another great thing we're we're on right now. Yeah, like he was a great manipulator, and the the <laughs> the funny thing of Mister Fuji is like he was actually a really funny guy to listen to him talk because like he he had that broken English that was like understandable, but like he but knew, just enough, yeah, he knew what he was coming across. And then you know when he first came out, he had the tuxedo, the little top hat, the cane, and then you know he goes away for a little bit and comes back Yokozuna, yeah, totally different gimmick. Now that's the cool. That's the cool thing about these managers is they're going from gimmick to gimmick. Yeah, Yokozuna wasn't wrestling at the same time as Demolition, but Mr. Fuji had to adapt that new gimmick. Yeah, and Mr. Fuji with the smelling salt, with the salt, the salt in the eyes. Yeah, and like uh, this is this is just how funny wrestling was back in the day. Like when WrestleMania Nine, when when you know uh, Bret Hart has Yokozuna on his stomach because he couldn't turn him over with the sharpshooter and puts him in and. Fuji just throws this huge pile of salt. And there's in a great him. picture of that, too, yeah. where the, you see it's great timing of, of the photographer getting the salt cloud mm-hmm. right by his face. Yeah. And then, like, the man and the referee's like, what's this white stuff all over Bret Hart's face? Like, you know it's the salt from Fuji. Right. And and him carrying the, 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 the Japanese flag. And, he, again, he was the vocal piece for Yokozuna. Right. Yokozuna was Samoan but that's not the point (laughs) that's not the point the sumo wrestler built from Japan yet Samoan Hmm. part of the Annoy family who is (laughs) alright so let's let's do the family tree real quick Uh, you have Sika Sika, the wild Samoans and then you had Yokozuna Rikishi Mm -hmm. and the same well yeah Rocky the the same family Rocky Johnson and on the same family, The Rock, the Rock. Roman Reigns, The Usos, Jimmy Snuka, Tamina Snuka, all on the same, all on the same family tree. You can do a whole show on the Samoan blood. Oh, yeah, I mean, because you got yeah. you got some of your best characters and 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 just everything from from that family alone. Yeah, so you got to protect protect that family too. Put that there. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, Get that's a running list of people we, we, we need yeah. on this earth. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, just like when when we release the podcast on on, uh, on Podbean and this part of breaking news that we forgot to mention, we are now on Apple Podcasts. Hey, Apple Podcasts. Hey, Apple Podcasts. Give us some of that money. Hey, guys, um, if you like what we're doing, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button, please. Yes. Please. Give us some more views. <laughs> pound the like button, right? Pound the yeah, because we're we're just two wrestling nerds that are here on our days off from from the world of work that we live in, talking about wrestling. And I don't know about you, but like I had like this this like rush hit me like when I knew oh I'm about to hit the drop the podcast now. You know what I mean? Like uh, why am I diving into Macho rush. Man impression? Yeah. yeah, that's gonna be a great Dark Side of the Ring, by the way. Uh, this week is the Legion of Doom. Uh, that's gonna I've be. I've been looking forward to that's that. gonna be great. Oh, we talked about Paul, El- Paul Elder ring yes. too with the uh, the Road Warriors. Yes. Um, now, old old school managers 
for some people out there that that now for the casual wrestling fan that are that's into today's product that's listening out there you have obviously the modern era so yeah. what we had talked about to today yeah so the modern era we from, talked from about like wrestlemania era on yeah uh we talked about paul Heyman, Zelina vega you know during the whole um back in the day you had classy freddy blassie pencil neck geek captain lou albano you know what I mean? It's huge. That's yeah. That's a big dude. Um, Freddie Blassie Classic. debuted with Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Again, another vocal piece. Got involved in the matches. He carried... And he that was, was like towards the end of his... Re- yeah. You know, he had been wrestling quite some time. He was a wrestler in the 50s and 60s. Right. And became a manager, but he carried heat hard. Like, I mean... There's footage, I've seen some footage, but not obviously as much as, like, Bobby the Brains era, but, like, he was the heel manager back in, back, back in the day. Um, and he, he just had this great personality of, 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 uh, promoting his wrestlers very well. Promoting Hulk Hogan very well. And you had Captain Lou Albano, who was just a wild man. And you could say those guys, you know, anybody who... Um, comes before who we're talking about, you know, can help shape, can be said that they help shape the business to what those people had then become, you know, so you got to give credit where credit is due there. Mm-hmm. And they kind of laid the groundwork for some of the greatest managers after them. And there's some managers out there that kind of get, you know, that we forget about. You know, I mentioned Frenchie Martin before. Um, I know there was a manager when Bam Bam Bigelow debuted at WrestleMania 4, Oliver Humperdinck. Mm. Again, yeah. I, it's just like some of these guys get thrown in there, you know, to, to represent a couple different wrestlers, and, you know, the the rest is history. And then you have, like, the Attitude Era. Now, actually, the new generation. Here's here's our manager, right? Female manager. Who, who do you think I'm thinking of? Female manager, new generation, Brought the sex appeal into WWF. Sonny. Sonny. Holy hell, Sonny. She... She was... She was a... Beautiful smoke show of a, uh, of a uh, manager. And... She, uh... She's doing something different now. <laughs> um, you know, she is... In and out of prison, but yeah, a couple times, and she dove most into recently the, up here in Freehold. She got caught. Yeah, she uh, she dove into the um, uh, adult entertainment industry. Yes, and uh, but she uh, she was with the Body Donnas, uh, and her manager appeal was that. Um, very uppity, very great personality, but she would also turn to the heel real quick. Right. She was a sex appeal. She was like the Miss Elizabeth of that era, kind of. Was she considered a manager? I would consider her a manager more than Miss Elizabeth because she got involved more in the matches. Yeah. But, um, yeah, she was, uh, she was just great to look at, I thought. I mean, yeah. if you look on, back on wrestling history, she really didn't lay the groundwork as much as as other managers did. Right. We but she definitely did get involved, and she... Um, she always would keep aligning herself with other people. Yeah. You know, like she was uh, a Legion of Doom. 
Yes. That was that, really weird. When they came 2000. back, LOD <laughs> 2000. Like, what was that? That was a weird part. And then, then you know, we can't forget about Sable. Oh, with, God, uh, Sable. With Mark Miro. Oh, you know, my before God. Before she went and did her own thing, which actually, you know, ended up being a, a, a good thing, too. Again, another looker. Yeah. Um, you know, now, now during the attitude, a yeah. young teen growing up, that was very <laughs> nice. Yeah, during the Attitude Era, you had a lot of good-looking female managers. Right. You had Sunny. I guess she kind of dove into that with LOD. Yeah. Sable. Yeah. Yeah, Terry Reynolds, who was the Goldust manager. Now, they're more, I I consider more than valets. Yeah, same. Terry. um, They cut some promos, but Sable. Yeah, I mean, Sable did become a wrestler, like, after the Sable bomb. The Sable bomb. Yeah. She just stole it from Mark Miro. (laughs) Because she she hit Mark Miro with that. Yeah, she did. And, uh, you know, Jacqueline, she was a manager. So, like, a lot of the the, uh, Attitude Era managers, most of the females were just valets to promote the sex appeal, which was kind of the direction that the WWF was right. taking, trying to get more... We also have Stacey Keebler, too. Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson. Even though they're all divas, they were still valets. Right. So they're, the, the line that's drawn in the sand between a valet and a manager, as we described, is completely different from what it was to what it is now. Because the manager, the the Bobby Brain, Bobby the Brain, Jamie the Hard era, it was more than just a mouthpiece. Right. It was more than that. They represented the wrestlers so well. They represented the company so well. And then we at slowly, a time where they needed that to help promote, yeah, um, the promotion itself mm-hmm. and, and to put butts in seats. Um, and you know they would some some of these guys. You would look at a card, old wrestling cards. And their manager was one guy. If you look at old wrestling cards, you're like, oh, man, he managed him, 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 and him on the same mm-hmm. show. Yeah. You know? And the it was just mind-boggling how much different it was back then. Just, just, yeah. just these, these managers, they, were, they weren't just one-dimensional. They, just, they did their job so well. They really did. These managers did their job so well that people tuned in to hear Bobby Heenan talk. People tuned in to see Jimmy Hart use the megaphone in their matches. That was the kind of aura that they brought to the table week in and week out, whether it be being a vocal po- uh, vocal piece for their wrestler or to cause a distraction and, and having a champion in their stable. That's what they did so well. So in today's product, do I see that happening with managers now i don't think so because there's not a lot of managers to choose from and the managers that are in wrestling now they don't carry themselves as well as managers in the golden era of wrestling that truly had an effect on the outcome of the matches right different different time different area you know things have come and gone and and we're moving away towards that and they Mm -hmm. have been for years now um diminishing roles you know you have outliers like we talked about Zelina Vega right now with the current product is one of those old school um, managers that you're probably not going to see another one for a no, while. No, you won't see um, it for a while. But you're getting time. you're getting the goods right now, mm-hmm. and, and that's you got to appreciate that. Yeah, you're you're getting the feel with with Paul Heyman too. Paul Heyman is bringing some of the old feels back in today's product, whether it be. Producing it or him doing it himself when he is on television with Brock Lesnar. And introduced to a new era of viewers, which is also important too. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, everything changes. You got to evolve a little bit and tweak it to what your audience likes. Take that feedback and, and 
and bring it into today's product to make it yours and, and more believable and what could actually happen as opposed to um, it, it used to look, you know, a little a little different back in the day. It did. You know? It absolutely did. For it was, sure. It was a little more cartoon. It came off cartoonish in some in some regard yeah. for certain things. I'm not saying everything. Um, for little things that they did because they were pandering to a crowd. Right now, today, March 10th, uh, March May 10th, um, we don't have crowds, so no. it's a little different. So we're also getting to see people come out of their shells because they have to. Yeah. Nobody's getting them over. Not the crowd. They can't use the um, the the crowd's booze, the what chants, any of that. They can't rely on that. So they need to rely on themselves. And who knows when we're going to have a crowd. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I hope it's soon. I do miss that. Even if they let 200 people in, you know, it would be like you're back in an old armory. In Texas oh, yeah. Somewhere, Some VFW hall yeah, on Brick. Yeah, right. Yeah, on Brick or Tom's River. So uh, we really appreciate you listening to this episode about managers and we dived in a little bit of the current product right alex right yeah so for next week guys we have uh we're gonna be talking about the money in the bank fallout and what happens from tonight's pay-per-view so definitely um definitely check out next week's episode and after that we're going to talk about the current product in and of itself um where we're going from money in the bank um, the next pay-per-view, which I'm sure they will promote tonight. You know, yeah. they like to do that. They'll release it. Right. They like to give you like a minute, 30 minute snippet of mm-hmm. the next one, which I forget because Money in the Bank used to be in June um, yeah. for a while. So they, they, they got rid of the, the payback and the backlash, which used to be in May. TLC? No. TLC? They had stomping grounds last year. That was oh. that was the one in July, I remember. Uh, right. And the uh. other one before that was like. Great Balls of Fire in July. <laughs> right. That's such a great name, Or, though. you know, I mean, uh, Extreme Rules or something. Yeah, Extreme, Extreme Rules. Rules. That's what it was, yeah. It's normally in July. Yeah, Extreme Rules. But, like like Alex said, um, a couple, well, all the podcasts, all four episodes have been the golden era of wrestling because that's the time that we started watching it. But now, now we're going to be opening up the minds of the fans out there of today's product and next week's podcast is going to be the fallout from money in the bank and also our opinions on certain wrestlers ideas and stuff that mcmahon should really do and really think about because this podcast is two fans in the in the opinions of two fans fans something that mcmahon has to start listening to right absolutely and if you guys have any suggestions for uh, future episodes drop us a comment Mm-hmm. On either Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. or Apple Podcasts. Or Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Leave us a review, guys. We want to keep yeah, doing this. We, we will keep doing yeah. this, but it would help if you guys let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, as we become more tech savvy, we can add some some drops in there, little <laughs> little things. You yeah. know? We can give you crowd noise since you don't get crowd noise on TV right now. So Hold Whatever. on, I'll get it right now. There you go. All right. <laughs> yeah, there's a crowd noise because honestly, to anyone listening out there, um, this this adventure I like to call this, it, it truly means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to Alex because 
wrestling is a big part of our lives and even though we're not professional wrestlers we love talking about it we love watching it we love reading about it and to this day every night I, I watch a random pay-per-view just because I want to I enjoy the sport of professional wrestling and that's why we open the podcast every week welcome to Sunset Flip, Flip Radio a podcast about the art and sport of professional wrestling and thank you for listening to <laughs> Sunslip Flip Radio, yes. a podcast about the art and sport of professional wrestling, where we will be releasing our next episode next week. You will get a couple uh, posts about it on Facebook and Instagram. And if you don't follow us now, please follow us on Facebook at Sunset Flip Radio and Instagram at Sunset Flip Radio. Make sure you hit the like and comment button. And honestly, when you comment, say anything you want. I mean, this is a podcast for the fans, about the fans, and about professional wrestling. So if you have any great ideas, any episodes that you want to hear, uh, message us, hit us up, and we will we will talk about it, and we will probably probably do it, right? Well, not probably. We will we, do we, it. We, we, gotta, we will do we gotta, it. There's yeah. a lot of extra time going on in this pandemic. Yeah, so. we, we have all the time in the world. So again, uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And check us out on the Apple Podcast. Thank you. Uh, enjoy the rest of uh, your Mother's Day for any mothers out there listening. Happy enjoy Mother's Day. Happy, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Spend it. Give them a call. Thank them because um, they can take you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, enjoy Money in the Bank tonight. It will be very exciting. And I am very, I am looking forward to it, right? Same. I, I can't wait. I got to go uh, knock on my mom's door. Got to go up to Staten Island, drop her gift off on the porch and boogie on out. There you know, with go. social distancing, of yeah. course, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Six feet. Six please. feet six apart. Feet. And again, we are sitting six feet apart right now recording in my 10 by 10 room upstairs <laughs> in my drum set. The jam room. In the, in the jam room, the, the, the music lab. So thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy Money in the Bank. Signing off. We out. Take care. <laughs>